woo. <laughs> I feel like I should be wearing black now. I'm like bright cactuses and y'all are like <laughs> dark. I've just been wearing black all weekend because I went <laughs> to the show and I was like, oh, I'm just going to grow all the black I have. You can't tell because my camera sucks so bad, but like this shirt, it's like white flowers with yellow middles and green like leaves. So they're like kind of looks like daisies. Uh-huh. And okay, so you guys will know how much of a fucking nerd I am. I bought this shirt because I was like, oh, it's the colors of the Jamaican flag without wearing the Jamaican flag. You know what I mean? Yes, because like that's I got not you. okay. Like yes. don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's funny that you say that because I just so the Slackers anniversary shirt it was either spend money on the shirt or spend money on the hoodie. And I was like, I can't spend 50 bucks on a slacker city, but it has like the Jamaican flag on it. And like, so slackers. And then on the back is like ska reggae rock steady. And I was like, y'all are a bunch of white guys. <laughs> <laughs> and you have like the Jamaican flag on the tone of the shirt. I just pointed that out to Ryan today. And I was like, this just is silly to me, but did I buy it? Yeah, I did. But it's a slacker shirt. So whatever. I mean, I do have a Scatolites patch on my denim that is literally just the Jamaican flag over Jamaica, and it says Scatolites. But it's like a band, you know, you're sporting a band. It's not like you're just, like, wearing a, you know, and even then, I don't know. I also feel like at that point, too, you're, like... you're not representing yourself representing Jamaica. You're representing yourself representing a band that's representing Jamaica. <laughs> so there might be enough yeah. levels of separation. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's fair. I support everything. I it's hard. Go. It's I, hard to be a good person, but it's worth trying. <laughs> well, nothing is more sus than having like a Trojan Records patch on your jacket because like people just think you're walking around with like condom brands, <laughs> like advertisements on. <laughs> That's so true. true. I can't even tell you. <laughs> people do not get it. <laughs> Food boys, you've had your fun. But now your fun is done. It's rude girl time. What do you do when concerts are canceled and your squad is stuck at home? You bring the scene to them. This is Tara Two-Tone. I'm Scott Queen Christine. We are opening up about our experiences in the scene. And share our perspective on what it's like to be a rude girl. We are rude. We are reckless. And we're sharing our checkered checkered cast. You better watch out. It's okay. We're looking really cute, y'all. I'm just like looking at us and I'm like, yay, I love my friends. <laughs> I'm excited to chat with you, ladies. It's fun time. It is fun time. And your makeup looking on fleek. Thank y'all. The bow. I so, just did it. <laughs> there's so, so I like this weekend, I saw so many big flower bows. And I was like, am I like out of the loop on the big flower bow? Like hair bow? Like, am I just stuck in, like, JoJo Siwa, big regular bow? (laughs) I need a big flower bow. I don't do it all the time. I have a couple headbands that have, like, a little cute dealy bop. And, um, yeah, I have a couple. I don't do it all the time, though. Because Jenny was wearing a cute bow, Mm. little big bow, when I hung out with her the other day. And then the girl that I went to the show with, also had a big bow and I was like I'm like not hip and with it <laughs> Jenny Whiskey is a ska fashion icon <sighs> she really that girl. is did you see that dress <laughs> yes. oh I but, had to show 
I've just showed every dress. Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've seen her, and every single time she looks fantastic. Yeah. You should see her Poshmark, like the stuff that she sells from her closet. She styles it as outfits with like a matching shoe and she puts it on like a fancy background. They're like, oh, this is iconic. Like she's not just selling like a dress. She's selling like a look, which is great. (laughs) We went to this dress store and like we picked, she picked out this dress and I was like, hmm, I'm not sure, but she put it on and I was like, fuck you. Like (laughs) it was like the most like epic dress that like I is like a dress that I'd want to wear in my like like I dream about wearing but could never pull off and it just like hugged her in all the right spots and I was like we need to take you out so you can wear this dress <laughs> like this dress was so incredible that I'm like just wear this everywhere cook in this dress do everything in this dress <laughs> yeah I'm always amazed too because not only does she always look absolutely fantastic but she always is wearing something that she can move in because she is always on stage, right? Most of the times when I see her. So her outfits are beautiful, but also very practical. And I aspire to be <laughs> that fashionable on stage. She's great. I, I wish I had, we got to start like hashtag Jenny whiskey style. Like, <laughs> we're just going to market Jenny, Jenny whiskey style. Hashtag yeah. what would Jenny whiskey wear? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just I have no style. Because I yeah I'm a t-shirt and jeans kind of girl. Like I'm the queen of the you know band t-shirt, beer t-shirt, and like a uniboo because I'm constantly wearing a sports bra. Like (laughs) no style. I give it a go. Christine's also like this fashionista which I also aspire to be. Oh my gosh, Christine, I love your outfits too. The ones that you post and you oh, work thanks. at Torrid, right? Yeah. Oh my God. I'm so- I was just I- lamenting to Tara how I'm trying to keep up with the trends, you know, and that <laughs> this is like a really slutty shirt, but this is like what girls wear these days. They just show their under boob. It's like a thing. Okay. And um, yeah, I can't wear this shirt out of my house. <laughs> so it's like I have some a reason to wear it finally. That's <laughs> funny. Yeah, I Torrid probably has a large chunk of the money that I've made in my adult life. Mm. <laughs> Almost everything I have came from there. You can see the lovely this is one of my dress racks back here. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all need to just style me. We're gonna go to Supernova and I'm just gonna like come as I am and be like, do me up, ladies. Like, you make me, down, make me look like a rude girl, please. Come down Wednesday and we'll go shopping. Because <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. Um, yeah. I'll buy a real bra. How about that? We'll start there. <laughs> but all right. Welcome to the Checkered Club cast, Lizzie. Hi. Thanks. Yeah. I'm excited to be here. Should we do an official like? Yeah, I felt like that was such like a welcome to the checkered cast, Lizzie. Hello, everybody, and welcome to, what month is it? May? 
our May episode of the Checkered Cast. And today we have Lindsay from the Skluts and 13 Towers with us. 13 Tower or 13 Towers? Lindsay. 13 Towers. Z. 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 Yeah. Z. Spelled out 13, not the number 13. That is right. Yes. Spelled out. <laughs> In fact. <laughs> I have been rocking 13 Towers all morning. I went to the grocery store and I just like decided that I wanted bananas <laughs> because of the banana song. And I was like, all right, I guess I'm getting four bananas. <laughs> that song, that song is so funny because it literally is just a bunch of banana facts in a song. <laughs> and I have to admit that when um, my bass player at Zen, when he wrote it, I was like, this is never going to work. And he was like, no, 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 it, it will. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> sure enough, it made it so catchy that it was impossible for it not to work. So it, it's a great little, a little tune. It was particularly good for some good shopping around grocery shopping. And you'll never Shocking. forget your bananas. That's true. Yeah. Also, um, you know, for the musicians out there, I want this to go on the record that a bass player wrote a song and it was used. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, actually. So he is in both my bands um, with me. He's the only dual member of besides myself of both bands. Um, And he is a really good song initiator. So he has lots of ideas and he'll write pieces of songs and, you know, he'll come up with stuff. Yeah. He has a lot of full songs too, but usually it'll be, um, you know, partial songs that he'll bring and and we'll workshop it and turn it into something that either sounds like the Skluts or sounds like 13 Towers. And 13 Towers, we have more people writing the songs in that group. Um, and the Skluts, it's really um, primarily uh, myself and him lyrically. And then um, it's really cool though, because in both bands, we try to, be really um, inclusive and let everybody sort of get their piece in. So, you know, the, the horn players can sometimes have uh, opinions and change a chord, you know, and, that we play, or, you know, sometimes even in a couple of the slut songs, I think uh, the saxophone player that we had even threw a lyric in here to uh, a lyric or two in there. So, I mean, it really does um, make a song, feel like it belongs to the band when everybody kind of gets a piece of it it's to like collaborate together mm-hmm. with that said does it usually come lyrics and then music or music and then the lyrics i always wondered how different bands do that it very much depends on the type of person you are um for me i am the type of person i need the music first and then i can write melodies and lyrics to it i'm not really good at coming up with words that don't have a a, a melody to them. Um, But once I have a a melody, I can write words all day long. Um, But other people are a lot better at coming up with the words and then finding the music to fit them. So it just kind of depends on the the type of person that you are and the kind of creativity that you have. And, um, you know, like I said, my, my bass player who writes a lot of lyrics, he just writes lyrics all the time, all day long, just writes tons and tons of lyrics. And then we'll pull from them and turn them into a song. He doesn't need there to be chords and, and melodies to go with them. And that's, I can't do that. <laughs> so, which is why he's a really good song initiator. Cause he'll get us on an idea and then we're like, okay, yeah, we're taking that. Somebody give me some chords and let's go. So yeah, it, I definitely need the chords first though. <laughs> 
Nice. What, I, what is your background with music? Like, have you, do you play any instruments? And like, how long have you been involved in doing music? So I don't, I'm not an instrumentalist, but I have been uh, involved in vocal singing for a, a really long time. I've done choir. I grew up as a choir girl. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I can read music and things like that. Um, I'm an alto too. Nice. <laughs> so, um, but at my range, I can do alto two all the way up until some soprano one, if it's not insane. Um, and actually I can sing some tenor too, if I have to, Nice. but, um, gotta love those low voices. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I grew up in choirs and, um, I even did a, an adult choir for a little while that wasn't involved with a church or anything, mm-hmm. uh, called the new dominion Corlears And, um, that was a cool experience because it was, you know, choirs are so often attached to schools, whether it be high school, college, whatever. And um, it was cool to do one that was totally separate from that. But um, as much as I love doing that and it is good vocal training, um, it's it sort of lacks the adrenaline rush and the the stuff that you get, you know, when you play ska music and <laughs> sing in front of a live band and, um, you know, it's different to sing with 80 people, uh, rather than be, you know, one of two maybe, or even the only singer on stage. So I definitely, I, I kind of worked my way through. I actually started off in a band called free lobster buffet, um, which is a ska band, <laughs> uh, in nice. the DC area. And, um, they've been around a really long time. They've been around, gosh, at this point, maybe getting close to 20 years. And um, they play mostly covers, but they have a few originals in there that they've written over the years. But I started off doing that. So I got to sing a lot of my favorite ska covers first before I started writing the original stuff that I do in the Scots mm-hmm. and 13 Towers now. So that was a good sort of introduction into how to do that. But Love it was that. a lot of fun. What about, so how... um how did you find out about ska if one of your first bands was a ska band but you are you know background is being in chorals um so how did you find it how did you find ska punk so my background musically as far as like my skills were choral but what i listened to was i mean i grew up my dad's a guitar player um and he was a metal guy so I grew up on like Alice in Chains and, you know, stuff like that. And then um, I kind of delved into, like, I was more of a punk rock girl um, for a long, long time. And I'm, <laughs> I definitely did start with like Good Charlotte. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah, Lindsay like, and I are kindreds. Yeah. The gateway yeah. into the thing. So we I definitely kindred did. spirits, you and I, with our stuff. <laughs> yeah. Started yeah. with no, the, the... I mean, we've talked about it on the show before, Good Charlotte. And um, yeah, I've met the guys in the band like a couple times, actually. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I love that stuff. I mean, and I still love because it's melodic, right? Yeah. And that's, you know, a lot of times people, if they are an instrumentalist or if they are a musician, they'll sort of lean into the stuff that, that connects with them. And for me, music that has good, lyrics are good vocal melodies or harmonies mm-hmm. things like that that always stuck out to me so i really loved pop punk because you know it has all those great high harmonies and all that kind of stuff but it sort of opened the door for me and i um found in college i was really good friends with a band called the lady killers and they played sort of like harder core punk a little bit and and they were playing more things that sounded like 
rancid or not rancid, but like the misfits and bad religion and stuff like that. And those guys um, and my friends that I made at that point kind of turned me into the, like that sort of a punk area and introduced me to things like rancid and Goldfinger and Pennywise and like these, these bands that I hadn't really known before. Um, And then my husband is a trumpet player and, or was a trumpet player. He's not anymore. But um, so when we met the only ska music that I really was familiar with was like real big fish and new, you know, no doubt say Ferris and stuff like that. And um, my husband was really big into um, like catch 22 and streetlight manifesto and um, you know, the uh, uh, suburban legends and, you know, those types of bands that I had never heard of. And so um, that sort of brought me into that. (laughs) And then making a short story, a long story, when I joined Free Lobster Buffet as a ska band, um, the guy who started that band, who runs that band, is actually a bigger fan of old school ska. So he is actually the one who taught me about things like, you know, the Scatolites and, mm-hmm. um, you know, all the, the like Toots and the Maytals and all, all of those things I didn't know existed until I joined Free Lobster Buffet and kind of that door got opened. So it was very much like a path from pop punk to... <laughs> to, to ska. <laughs> I hear you out. I have I have such a good 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 Charlotte story if you if you guys are interested. <laughs> oh yeah. So well, just like probably both of you guys, I was, you know, such this like rebel punk girl in high school uh who wore her slippers to school because she was like, fuck the system. I'm gonna wear slippers. I was so punk rock, right? And so anyway, uh <laughs> nerding myself. But my guidance counselor like pulled me out of class because I was just like, fuck it. It's my senior year. I don't really care. Like whatever. He brought me in and he's like, Tara, I, I get, you know what you're feeling. And he sat me down and I'm just staring at him being like, I don't know where he's going with this, but he goes, go to college, a university, get a real job. That's what they said to me. And he's like no. singing good Charlotte at me from the other <laughs> side of the desk. And I didn't know how to react at that moment, but he's like singing good Charlotte to me as I'm sitting there just wearing my fucking like no FX t-shirt with like ripped up jeans and fucking slippers. Cause I was like, I don't like, like, what are you trying to do here, bro? And the whole reason why he's like, you just present yourself better. And I was like, I don't, I still don't know what you mean, man. Like, but the whole time he was just like singing good Charlotte and pointing at me. And I just, I like, what do you do in that situation? Other than like, okay, old man. Like, he had to have been in like, my guidance counselor was probably in his like mid fifties. Oh my gosh. And he's just like singing good Charlotte at me. And I just... I had like a mohawk. <laughs> it wasn't like, hey, you cool kid. I was like Is this the hip thing to do. <laughs> yeah. But it's such like a embalmed in my brain memory of him singing. Go to college, a university, get a real job. That's what they said to me. But I could never live the way. <laughs> I so <laughs> in high school, that's where I started to get from I, I really liked the pop punk stuff, but like I really thought that I was cool. And, you know, if you liked any kind of, you know, music that wasn't the the normal rap slash I'm from St. Louis originally. Right. So like everybody was big into Nelly and, you know, all the rap stuff. And don't get me wrong. I mean, I 
still like that stuff. And I may or may not know most you of the You may word. or may not know ICP as well. I've heard this story <laughs> I, before. Yeah, I may or may not also know <laughs> the ICP lyrics. I thought that I was a badass at one point when I was like 14 because I knew every word on Great Malenko. But, um, <laughs> but no, it's funny because so in choir one day at, at high school, right? Choir is kind of like, oh, the nerdy place. And I was just... I don't know. I, I I guess I was trying to like figure out who I was as a person, but I used to wear shirts that said like boy bands suck and like make seven up yours and like the shit you could buy at fucking hot topic. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, I'd be wearing that. And one day I was wearing some shirt and um, my choir teacher was like a really religious guy. And I was already mad at him because he would only pick like the kids who went to his church to have solos and stuff like that. And he was all, always picking only hymnals to, for us to sing. And so I stood up in the middle of class and argued with him. And I was like, why are we only singing Jesus songs? This is a public school. <laughs> <laughs> and I got kicked out of choir. <laughs> uh, it only lasted like a week, though. But still, it was just it was one of those things where I was like, cool. <laughs> I stick it to the man stick to the man now look at me i'm a rock star (laughs) show that mr hymnal right so yeah no i was you know all of us as kids we don't know who we are you know really not cool to hear these like yeah nobody was cool but like you know teenagers today not to sound too much like an old man here but um yeah like they it's just accepted that they, you know, like you were talking Tara about how like you seemed like this moody, angsty teenager. Like nowadays it's just like, it's just the normal thing. Everyone is Billie Eilish. Like it's not, it's all Avril Lavigne's and like, that's the standard. Like there's no more like that moody punk girl. Like everyone is the moody punk girl and it's fine now. Yeah. That's true. So you guys are trendsetters. (laughs) putting the path for them and and these like gen zers and these kids coming up have all this like amazing body body positivity and like gender positivity and like just all this different stuff and we had fucking low-rise skinny jeans like (laughs) low-rise jeans like that's what we had to deal with was fucking low-rise jeans and like five layers of t-shirts how about that gen z yeah and yeah How we wore belts around our waist on top of t-shirts. Yeah, I don't. It's funny because it, you look and you're like, where, where's your awkward teen phase? How come you guys don't have to have Why one? Why do they all look so pretty all the time? Because <laughs> YouTube. Because we didn't have YouTube growing up. That we is so it. true. Yeah. We had like Paris even... Hilton and her tiny, tiny, tiny outfits. And me being like, that's not even my thigh. Her whole body... <laughs> I I just started following this Instagram that's like all like 2000s era like you know Teen Choice Awards and stuff like that and I was like Michelle Trachtenberg I forgot about her and like I was just she was wearing like a it was like a top that was like stitched together of like leather and it was like two triangles and just, I was just like cool you could just get away with that like lucky you. <laughs> like, <laughs> Uh, and this was the Teen Choice Awards. Like little kids were watching this, and she was literally wearing just two triangles stitched together <laughs> over her mosquito bite boobies. Like good for her. <laughs> this is fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> or like that whole kerchief tr- 
trend where oh people yeah wear, where you wear like, the bandana purchase bandanas at a, as a shirt I could never do that that <laughs> not was not that was definitely not, not something that I could ever and wear this is why girls like us grew up and we're like I'm gonna wear the anti-social t-shirt shit because I'm not like that like you know what I mean it's all Plus, like a ploy to yeah. differentiate each other also I couldn't fit into any of that and I think that was the thing I was like well right. fuck it if I can't fit into this like I'm going to wear this, like, I love fireman shirt. I randomly got a hot topic. Like, go fuck <laughs> oh, yeah. yourself. Like, I got yeah. so upset about, well, first of all, not only could I not fit into trendy stuff, I was, like, too poor. I was, like, way beyond Same. poor for my friends to even understand. So I just, like, went to the thrift store and, because that's, like, where my family shopped. Like, we didn't have other choices. And then I just decided I was going to dress, like, I was, like, you know, from the 80s all the time so i wore like blazers and like big brimmed hats and stuff oh my god i love that because <laughs> that was the stuff that i could fit into that was also like kind of you know i looked different i wore suspenders all the time i love <laughs> oh that god. see but you built yourself an identity that made you comfortable in your circumstances and i feel like that's like really important and you know it, it's tough and i i feel you because you know when i was growing up when my parents got divorced when I was 14, my dad moved to Japan and mm-hmm. my mom moved the four of us back to Missouri and worked making like $10 an hour trying to raise four kids mm-hmm. at a time <laughs> in, yeah. in Missouri. And so, you know, we had like nothing. So I started working at Dairy Queen when I was 15 and a half and like anything I could afford came from, you know, my money that I made at Dairy Queen. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, we were, I, and it was hard too. Cause you know, the, there'd be girls going to like all the dances and they had these beautiful dresses and mm. not only could I not afford one, even if I could find one, but I couldn't find one. There right. wasn't anything that fit me. So For like sure. the very first time I went to Deb, do you remember Deb? Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> oh yes. my God. And they had a plus size section. Cause I've never yep. been a small person. Like I've been a thick girl for a long time. Yep. <laughs> so like I found that Deb plus size section. It was the first time that there were like, dresses and clothes that didn't look like potato sacks for somebody yep. that was the big girl and i like cried <laughs> i was so <laughs> happy <laughs> i know i totally resented having to like perform femininity in those ways because it just wasn't for me and then that kind of propelled me more into being like well i'm gonna wear chucks if i have to wear a dress like you know like yeah things like that or you know oh, i'm gonna my hair is going to be pink because it matches my shoes or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, But yeah, I was thinking more too about like the resonating with like that, not really having money for that stuff was like, you know, I was thinking about it the other day when I was younger, like I couldn't rock band t-shirts either. And not only because like, they just didn't look good on me. Like I have a good shape for them. They were for mostly unisex for dudes. And then they didn't fit chubby girls the right way. And then, like, I couldn't afford it because as much as I wanted to support the bands and everything, it was like, well, I can afford to get in this show and maybe buy a CD. I can't get into the show and buy a T-shirt. Like Tara right. was saying, like, she couldn't afford a $50 Slackers hoodie. And I'm like, and you're a grown woman with a job. Like, you know right. what I mean? As a kid, it was, like, nearly impossible. Yeah. It yeah. was a status symbol, too. Like, if... My friends were walking around with band heaters. So I was just like, oh, they're cool. Like, I want to be friends <laughs> yes, with them. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 
And so where I lived, there were all the big festival shows came through. So we always had like Warped Tour and OzFest and all those things. And you'd see people go in and, you know, I could get in, but, you know, I wasn't leaving with a haul of merch like all these other people were. Yep. And I never understood how people did that. I'm like, where do you have money? Like people would drop $500 on t-shirts and stuff. And I'm like, I, that's rent for me at that point in my life. Like I can't. (laughs) And then people and people wouldn't think you were like a true fan or like you weren't like a real supporter because you didn't have all of the flair and the merch like those people did. And it's like, well, yeah, I am. I just can't afford all that shit. Like you guys, or if I do, I have to save a long time for it. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Well, and I think that's actually part. Well, I don't know if that's the whole reason, but certainly part of the reason why I really made it a point to know the bands that I really liked. So I would know the names of their songs and I would know like all the lyrics. So if somebody Mm -hmm. was going to question me, I could be like, okay, well, here's my favorite song and here's how it goes and just bust out into it and be like, now you, (laughs) and most of the time they (laughs) wouldn't, you know? (laughs) Yeah. You have to be even more hardcore than the people who could just throw on a shirt and be like, yeah, I like this band. I listen. I've heard of the clash. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I make a point now if I can to, if I go to a show, buy the opening bands merch mm-hmm. because the the closer is getting paid to be there. But these are things I did not know until I became a musician myself, like a, a working one. Um, is, you know, the opening bands rarely make anything, if, if at all. And they depend on you buying the merch because you know they're going to get the yep. smallest cut of whatever the door was if the door is even paying so you know most of the time i make it a point when i go to a show to buy whatever something from the opening bands we need to get out of this toxic culture in live music of like playing for exposure. Okay. Well, the internet is exposure and it's free. So why should we be playing for exposure? You know, Um, going back into shows, like I think even headlining acts have, they should take it upon themselves. They have a responsibility to the music scene in general to stop that. Like, yes, you are on tour yes you have expenses yes you guys are gigging musicians but like it's disrespectful if you're a nationally touring band and you don't think that the openers should get paid you shouldn't even be playing that show yeah or the amount you pay them is like you know like if you're the real big fish and your opening band makes a hundred bucks you know what <laughs> yeah. <I> mean? like, <laughs> disproportionate yeah yeah you know what I mean? like yes so, they're drawing but at the same time like they have to recognize that like they're perpetuating a really terrible thing. And they're, and like the big band is usually choosing those opening acts or like it's a local band in that, in that, uh, in that city. And I feel like going into live shows again, we can change how it worked. Like they're going to say, well, that's how it was for us. Well, did you like it then? Yeah. Like, I think we can start to, yeah (laughs) switch it up and change it up it's like switching this income like all this they're talking about now how they can't find wait staff anywhere and people are just staying home well why (laughs) work 40 hours a week and be in poverty right 
then make the same amount not working and being able to take care of your family, like be home with your kids and not have to work about childcare and still be in poverty, like pay people more. So many people have this concept and that this is less about music and more about like general, general public, but so many people have this concept that you can live on any job if you just work hard enough, That's but they don't, yeah. And, but so many of them are so disconnected, especially the ones perpetuating that myth. And it's typically right. people who are older, who absolutely could have done that in at the, the point in time when they were coming up. Right. But now they're well-established. They probably have a career. They've likely made a comfortable life for themselves, not recognizing that those opportunities that existed for them when they were younger are not the same opportunities that exist for the people that are there now. I mean, the, the, inflation difference is massive not to mention the cost difference of things like education and everything else i mean those things have been just absolutely exponentially multiplied and Mm -hmm. it's impossible for people working the the same kind of jobs that they would have worked as a teenager or as a young adult they either don't exist or they don't pay proportionately to the way that they used to right a living wage right like the cost of living a lot of these people like they're totally tuned out of reality of like what it does cost for people to live it's like yeah for you back then you guys didn't have 80 to 100 dollars a month cell phone plans that's like absolutely a necessity to have a job like they're gonna text you they're gonna want to call you they're gonna want to see where you're at cell phones and car insurance and things like that Internet. are way more expensive yeah now than they were back then yeah and it's like these things are not being factored into the cost of living. It's not no. a luxury. It's not no. a luxury to have the internet. You need no, it. No, it's a necessity. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you can't do anything at this point. I mean, you sure. Are there like 15 people who, you know, go live off the grid somewhere spread across the United States and survive without it? Sure. <laughs> but those people are not. The, those people like, are also living the nomad life. Like, they're, yeah. you know, like as a general rule. You do need those things to survive, but I mean, that's, and that's in society, but, you know, getting back to the, to the show thing, the, the bands making, making more money and, you know, getting, having popularity and having the draw and all those things. I, I think it'd be interesting if their perspective shifted from, we wow. are here to make money to, we are here to play because we know we're going to draw people, but also we're going to have these opening bands because we want the genre to succeed. We want music to continue. And in order to do that, the younger bands, the newer bands, they have to be successful in drawing more people to listen to them. And that's their power. That's those, those headlining bands power is they have the capability to direct consumers to the new generation if they choose to use it. I like that perspective, you know, um, with power comes corruption always, you know, (laughs) I keep thinking of the, I keep thinking of pay to play, you know what I mean? Like how, how bad that industry is, how exploitive it is. Um, But you know, what's interesting to think about is going forward, right? Because of the pandemic, do you guys agree that you see um, when shows are starting to happen now, it's like, you have to have tickets in advance. Like it's reservations only, you know, you have to have a table, so it's like they have a kind of a very direct head count because they're trying to keep like capacity at limits and everything. And I wonder how that's going to impact like 
not to say pay to play, but like who's selling the tickets versus who's not on gigs. And if they will use that to their advantage to give or not give gigs to people based on who's booking the tickets for them. Yeah. I mean, pay to play is miserable. That That is <laughs> just the absolute worst. So I can't even imagine. You have, you have a facility where you want to host people. You're having a band there because you want to draw more people there, but you're putting it on the band to bring the people themselves and play the show. It's, I mean, it just feels like extra, extra added stress. And then, you know, with threats of, well, you won't get to play or we won't pay you if you don't bring enough people. And, you know, those things really are discouraging and they, they make it very difficult for, especially for bands just getting started who don't necessarily have a fan base. I mean, how do you build a fan base? You have to play. But if you can't find a place to play because you have to have already a fan base, it's like a big catch-22. Uh-huh. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I was thinking about it. I want the audience, the people listening, to really think in your mind about a place that you've been to that you saw live music, but a lot of people there didn't have any clue live music was going to be happening. Because <laughs> that is exactly, like, the phenomenon of, like, this place just has a draw and they want to provide entertainment yes. um, versus a place where no one came to that place unless that band was there. Yeah. That's it. So when I was in the band called free lobster buffet, they, um, and they do still exist by the way, just with a different singer, <laughs> but um, they, they I, we definitely had people show up that were unaware that it was music and not a free lobster buffet. <laughs> an evil, evil band name. It's like, like free beer, beer, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's exactly, that was exactly, I think, what they were going for. But yeah, basically, I can't even tell you that people had, there were signs up for the, you know, flyers for the show. People would show up and they're like, is there, I thought there was a buffet. Like, yeah, it's us. <laughs> Welcome to my buffet. Yeah. <laughs> Here's some sweet, sweet scott for your ears. I love it. Yeah, Not that's... just a snack. It's a whole <laughs> it's a ass buffet. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> that band was fun too, because I did like playing covers and it had just a, a really fun, like a really good horn section and stuff. So I fucking love cover bands. I hate people who are like, oh, they only play covers though. I'm like, I get it. As a musician, I understand why people get frustrated about cover bands because there are a lot of people in the crowd that don't know it's a cover. You know what I mean? And then they yeah. think it's an original tune. But whatever. They're, if they like the song, they fucking like the song. Yeah. Um. But like, I love cover bands. I my favorite is that there's an Amy Winehouse cover band here, Ooh. and the lead singer looks like Amy Winehouse and dresses just like her. Is like it's this whole like stage performance thing. Oh wow. I love it. It's so much fun. Um, it's wicked cheesy, but I'm into it. You know, I love Sometimes show tunes. Sometimes just like enjoy that. things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I think in ska, it's a kind of a more like celebrated thing to do covers. Like it's pretty yeah. par for the course. Everybody does a cover. Yeah. Well, and we also have in this genre, we specifically take covers and turn them into ska, which a lot mm. of people like. You know, I've heard of a band that does that, and uh, <laughs> we might have had them on the last episode of Checkered Cast. People, if you haven't listened to the Scottoon Network episode, <laughs> please go back and listen to it because um, 
Yeah, I don't think people gave it a fair shake. Check it out. Yeah. <laughs> we also have like Rude Boy George who just does like a ton of covers too, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Party Like It's, although I think they go by a different name now. I think they're the Can't Evens and they don't do as many cover songs anymore, but they were really, really good too. Was it also the Hall? Is it the Holophonics? Yeah, Holophonics do covers. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of bands that do covers as their like regular thing, but there's also a lot of bands that just will throw one in here and there, and they turn out to be really good. I mean, Take on Me is clearly the best cover of all time. (laughs) It's my. You laugh, but you're right to it. (laughs) I I loved it at first, but I've heard it so many times. I want it's, to go back through this podcast and keep track of how many times we've mentioned Real Big Fish every episode. <laughs> well, I expected it to be a lot because it's Lindsay and I, and we're the Scott Punk of the the trio here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I definitely do fall fall pretty heavy on the Scott Punk, but I do have to say, um, it's been very cool learning about the stuff I didn't know. Right. Like I exactly. I, I did not know all of the history i did not know all of the, how much is involved in the genre until i sort of got emerged in it and started talking to people and you know got to learn about that and i mean i've definitely gotten a hardcore scott education since then but not mm. hardcore music but hardcore scott you know so i yes but you know i i definitely took the time to to do some research and and stuff because that's just the kind of person I am I want to know more I love learning things and so it was cool to learn um about just the the overall sort of message of the genre and how Mm -hmm. much history was involved in it and how it's sort of evolved but I would never have gotten there if it hadn't been for Scott Punk in the first place oh yeah and it also it hurts my feelings when Tara always like outs me as like the traditional ska fan because i'm just like there's like no because i don't want people to think that i'm like one of those one of those snob (laughs) ska people no you're not you're not well no because right but i also have you know political ethical objections to some of the bands in the scene and like even right now you know i love the boston's they're my favorite band but i keep telling people like they're kind of were my favorite band because you know they had tim armstrong produce their new record that just came out and tim armstrong is an abuser he so i'm very offended and upset with the boston's you know what i mean like i know that they don't have the same ethics that i do but tim armstrong gets a pass but he literally groomed Bridie dale as an underage girl right and then he took her on tour with him and then he married her when she turned 18 and he continued to gaslight and manipulate and abuse her um and she became a raging alcoholic and had a drug dependency problem and she talks all about this but she's never railed against him in that way because she's like well i got to become a rock star out of it well, it's also so, very, it's hard to canceled. take down, you know, it, that, that's kind of another, that's like a David and Goliath kind of situation mm-hmm. too, because Tim Armstrong is such a driving force in I know. that community. And so to go against him, she would potentially be taking quite right. a lot and on herself. the boys club of the people like the Boston's who are like, well, yeah, we'll let it pass and we'll still work with him because we got to get on that Hellcat epitaph, whatever. The Boston's don't fucking need Tim Armstrong. That's what, I'm so mad about it. You know what I mean? Like if people like them at their caliber are going to continue 
to let somebody like him be part of the scene and be a taste maker, then the scene's just fucked. Like, I don't care. Like, you know, so I'm like, ugh. I'm kind of like on the fence about, do I want to just abandon ska punk and say I am one of these snobs of traditional ska because ska punk people, like their money is not where their mouth is, you know? I This is why I'm like really feeling the new tone stuff because a lot of these bands are talking about how their politics are part of their music and Tara and I even had a playlist that Sky is political like we had a whole argument with people about this who were like keep politics out of Scott we're like no Mm. Scott has always been about politics and it should still be and people like the Boston's need to get a reality check they can have songs about Colin Kaepernick and then not care that like they're working with people who abuse women Yeah, I and it is, it's tough because it's it's easy to be black and white about that. But when you're when you're super involved in you know like a lot of stuff, not me, but like the Boston's have, I'm sure they have motivations well beyond their politics. You know, as mm. far as like making money and writing things that are popular for the current time and things like that. Oh, yeah. And so I'm sure you know they're looking at okay, well, what can what can we do that's going to bring us revenue, you know, yep. and, and that sort of falls in. And of course, you know, in so many cases, not just in this one, or even in just in ska, people are given passes because of their authority or because of the power that True. they wield over a particular, you know, thing, whether it be, you know, For sports, sure. politics, music, you name it, you know, somebody with, a lot of authority or a lot of experience or a lot of power is often sort of given a, uh, okay, well, it was a different time, yep. you know, like that, that kind of a exactly. thing. I hate that term. Oh, Tara it was knows a all time. about that. Yeah. Like when we did that, not to get too uh, calling out here, but when we did that show, you know, uh, Facebook mm-hmm. live, you know, it was a different time. Um, Lindsay, you were on this show as well, but I'm sad we didn't have you on the same panel with us because <laughs> it would have definitely balanced out the curmudgeonly old man conversation. I think we can talk <laughs> about it openly. We were, we, cause I feel like it's important. And I feel like if people listen to this podcast and they're like, what exactly are they talking about? Mm. I do want to point it out um, True. that Christine and I were on uh, monkeys business little Facebook show live feed Facebook thing. And we were with him as well as who else? So both the guys from Monkey Curtis and Brian who host it. And then it was Tara and myself. And then um, our friend Darren. And then it was the former drummer of Voodoo Girl Skulls. Yes. Who have had their own fair share of issues. I yeah. have very strong opinions and I'll keep those ones to myself yeah. about the glow skulls. But the we started talking about because the whole premise of his show is what did you do during the pandemic and what can we do as musicians going out of the pandemic to make things better for people and for the scene. And yeah. so this whole thing got brought up because I said that we need to look at more um, going back into shows, making a safer space for women in the scene. 
I, we can go on to, with this with, for hours, but I know <laughs> I feel like going back to the, they're like, oh, it's a different time now. They have no idea how to address the time currently because they yeah. have, they have accepted mediocrity from the past. They, the yeah. bar is so low. They have created the bar so low that they don't know how to pick it up. Uh-huh. See what you did there. I love the part. did there. <laughs> um, I am formulating a t-shirt in my mind for these things. <laughs> like, it's definitely something I feel like uh, a lot of people could wear. But, you know, so the angry, like the, ang- the thing we were angry about with that show was that the I ended up getting kicked off of the chat thing and I couldn't get back on. And that oh. happens with that thing. And then Tara was just by herself pretty much and defending this point against like two old dudes who just were like generationally outing themselves as like just from a different time and that they wanted the status quo was fine with them. They were like, oh, people are just violent. People just going to go to shows and get drunk and hit people and hurt people. And you just you can't do anything about it. Like it's pretty (laughs) much their stance. And we're just like, that's no that's not allowed here anymore like we have the internet like you need to take pictures of those people and put their names out there and let people know that they're not welcome in these spaces like don't come to these shows like nobody wants you there yeah i definitely feel like that is one of those things where and and again another thing that i didn't know about until i sort of got into the genre you know i know punk shows are like that you know what I mean? Like I, I went, I went to lots of punk shows. I went to Ozfest. You know, like I went yeah. to shows where it was just a lot of dudes. But you know, one of the things that I noticed is that in most cases, um, I didn't find uh, n- not that you won't run into it, but I didn't find that like if I was in the pit or something, I didn't find men being horrible. They would pick you up if you fell down. You know, like stuff like that. Mm. Honestly. This this like environment that these people say exists where, you know, dudes just beat the crap out of each other for fun and it's always been that way and you can't change it and, you know, people get shit faced and, and then they're just going to beat each other up. Mm-hmm. I, I've never seen I didn't yeah. see it. And, and, well, and I guess it's like a thing that happened in, in the early days of, you know, like the skinhead reggae and, or the skinhead yeah. music and stuff like that. I guess that was like a thing. But I, I have never been like that. that. Me neither. And you know what, too? It, it, it is it's like a very scene specific thing. Like I've seen a lot of people talk about, or I've seen people like come to shows, you know, dressed in drag or, um, you know, gender non-conforming people wearing heels and skanking and people don't like, they don't bat an eye at it. They're like, Oh, it's a Scott show. Somebody else is here dressed like a fucking pickle, like whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Um, On the West coast, like what I've heard and what I've seen and what they were kind of coming from, because both of them are from the West coast was that like it's very common for these um, kinds of gangs and skinheads and stuff to go to shows to be antagonistic, literally just to start fights with people. And I've also heard um, in some of the groups people talking about how skinhead girls will be more aggressive um, against non-skinhead guys and try to start fights with them so that then their guy can be like, why are you fighting with my girlfriend? Mm. Interesting. I I don't get that culture. I never understood that. It's not a thing I do, right. but we talked about that on the on their little thing, and I was explaining how I don't understand that, and they tried to defend that culture, and then right. when I brought up how like 
well, women just need to be seen. Like you're, there's lots of women in the scene. You're not paying attention. His response was, well, women are just more into fashion, not playing music. <laughs> Trending. And oh, I was like, no. what? No, like oh, women are no, amazing sir. musicians. That's how it all started is he said that yeah. women are more into fashion than playing music. And he said um, something about like women followed trends and I was just like, oh, okay. So like out there, oh, he actually tried to spin it to be that it was a positive thing though, because he was like, oh, that's actually a good sign for the ska scene when there's a lot of women involved, like it is now, because when women are involved, that means it's actually, there's something good happening there. Okay, well, like I'm, women I'm, only I'll jump give him on a point for good. that because he ain't wrong. <laughs> no, I mean, but he was trying to spin it, his his like shitty opinion that like women only like trendy things. He's like, oh, so yeah. Scott must be doing all right if women are doing Scott now. Like as if women don't build anything for themselves. I was just having myself in this whole thing. Forever. Yeah, like, I mean, like Dorian Schaefer has been doing Scott for a lot longer Ever. than that guy has. <laughs> there would be no ska without women there to support the musicians and to dance and to support the bands. And like literally yeah. not just the people that are musicians, but to show up to their shows. <laughs> Men are not going to go if women are not there. That's just how it is. That's, <laughs> that's very true. <laughs> how dare we talk back? How dare we act so brave? The audacity of wanting equal pay. Not be a step away. it's important to 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 confront those issues that exist especially because you know like i said people just don't need them i even had that just recently where i honestly did not see a problem with using the term female fronted because i am a female and i front a band and i feel like that yeah. is an appropriate term to use for what i do but uh, no one had ever said hey don't use that term like go check out why we don't use that. And so mm -hmm. I did and I get it. And so I actually changed all of my stuff as far as I could find it to woman fronted instead of female fronted because I just didn't know that there was a lot behind that. And to me up front, I was like, I am a female. I front a band. This makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, so, it's definitely a lot more prominent in the um, punk community. The, whole conversation happening about like why female fronted is not a genre um yeah and <laughs> so i think for scott it's kind of complicated because yeah there is a long history of having a woman at the front of the band singing yeah in very our much scene specifically um that doesn't play an instrument or you know i am one of the people i believe your body is an instrument right so it's like yeah she's a vocalist that's her instrument <laughs> yeah which um, sucks by the way because if you actually play an instrument and you lose your voice you can still play yeah <laughs> you lose true. your voice as a vocalist you're screwed right and that's the thing is it's so reversed in the mentality where people are like oh well she's just a singer so it's like she's not like actually playing anything but it's like okay well you should respect her more because she's putting a lot more effort into using her body as an instrument and um yeah, well, she's being a, a front person, it, it takes yeah. energy, right? It takes it takes energy, and and it takes, you know, you you are the appeal, right? True. Not me necessarily, but like you're saying, having the the vocalist at the front who's not playing an instrument, that's the person that everybody's 
attention is drawn to. So they have yeah. to be able to not only handle that attention, but also to direct it appropriately. You know, and nobody said shit about people like Angela Moore could just go on stage and sing all night and dance around and nobody's gonna be like, oh, well, he's just a singer, though. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, in nine times out of 10, you wouldn't want to hear most of the members of the band sing because it's awful. <laughs> That's why they play an instrument. Right. <laughs> you know I mean? like, yeah, if they could sing, they would. That's pretty much right. Like, I can't sing for shit and I still do. <laughs> like, but it's like one of those things with the band, with it being a female fronted genre thing, is like for people who may be not familiar with that conversation, it's just, I mean, do your own research, educate yourselves, but the labor I will be willing to give you all is that, you know, to say female fronted, it's um, not to say that it's not PC, but like, you're really doing more harm than good when you're trying to use that as a moniker to market a band. Um, because one, you're just immediately outing and othering these people. Like, I was just saying with Angelo Moore in Fishbone, like you would not say male fronted band. Yeah. So that's, there you go. If think, take that home with you and think about it a little bit more people listening to the show. Um, <laughs> nobody's saying Fishbone is a male fronted band. <laughs> that's true. That is true. I, I do. I think it is important still sometimes at least to use as a marketing tool, the fact that you are different. So whatever it is that makes you different, I think being a ska band yeah. makes us different from being a rock band. We have horns, mm -hmm. um, you know, but also having women playing in the band at this point in our history, yep. it does set you apart a little bit just because this genre, like most is male dominated, mm -hmm. you know, for the most part. Um, and so it also matters and people also taught, you know, like they, they also, um, you know, if, if you've got a, a, a lot of people who are non-binary, you know what yeah. I mean? Or if you have like people who are gender fluid or whatever, sometimes they will market their band as being, you know, very trans friendly or very, you know, like LGBT. whatever. LGBT. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Because that's the thing that, you know, if you listen to this music, it will be safe for you. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, we're not going to make references that are, that are bad. We are supporting this community. And so, you know, there, certainly there are still pieces that you can, you can use that set your bands apart to, to put you out there and to make people want, right. ha have interest and want to listen to what you have over something else. Mm. But, but it doesn't, yeah, like you said, it, it, it's not a genre in and of itself. No. And yeah. there's a big chasm here, I, t I feel, too, with people who are, like, you know, like, you're talking about, like, the LGBT part of the community um, and how they are using that to market themselves as a safe space, like, for people who identify that way to come and listen to that in this genre. And then the rest of the people are like, well, we're not not a, we're not, not a safe place. <laughs> and it's like, just like with women, right? It's like, well, Ska's not not a safe place for women. It's like, yeah. really, though? Like, are you making us feel seen and included? Are you lifting our voices? Are you doing your best to share our works and what we're doing? Are you, by default, making sure every panel of guests you have has a woman or a person of color on it? Are right. you doing your best to look around the room and notice who's not speaking and then shutting yourself the fuck up and letting other people talk? 
<laughs> Are you doing your best to do that, guys? I don't think so. <laughs> In many cases, definitely not. I no. think there are, are people, though, at least more people as of recently that I have seen trying. Um, yeah. But but certainly, I mean, the problem, it still Participation exists. Participation trophy. Right. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just want to give credit where credit's due because I, I have oh, a lot I of, I have a lot of friends. I mean, you, yourselves included who really are out there trying to make it a better place for everybody. And, you know, that didn't exist five years ago, 10 years ago. And so it's nice to see it happening. We're uh, trying to make sure people pay attention. I think that's the biggest thing is, and just in, in all of music right now, right? And we're coming back. I think we all need to be more vigilant, be more aware, you know? Like, you just weren't paying attention. There was plenty of women in this scene. Mm-hmm. You weren't paying attention. There's plenty, you know, non-binary. You just weren't paying attention. And so now I think that our eyes are open. They're not. They're not closed anytime soon. We are a genre of inclusivity and you know it it started off with like blending race you know like that's what ska is is it's it's blending it's joining it's creating something together and i think that's just what we need to keep reminding everybody of is like our genre is about is political and it is about unifying everybody like we're all fucking, we're all humans. Yeah. Like, let's just make a fuck, let's pull an upstroke and <laughs> dance around, you know? <laughs> That's what I want to do. Yeah. I want to pull an upstroke. <laughs> I don't I know. I do get a little passionate <laughs> about the unity community because, you know, there are a lot of people in here who think that they're part of our community um, and they're not. We absolutely don't fucking like them. They, we don't want them to be part of the community because they're terrible people. But at the same time, like we have to give them a chance to do better. You know what I mean? And this, like, we hope that they come around and listen and learn and you know make amends for the things that they've done wrong. We're definitely not about gatekeeping or excluding. We're about educating in a positive way that you know still holds people accountable. And that is what community is really about. Is like you need community to have accountability. Yeah. And without that, no one is safe, and no one is no one can feel welcome truly if there's nobody to make sure that people who are doing harm are being held to a high standard. Raising yeah. the bar, like Tara was saying, pick it up. You know. <laughs> yes, I I think that's that's really important, and I. I like to see that there's at least some progress being made in that direction because, you know, having shows, having the community, having it be a place that everybody feels comfortable and capable of being a part of it is just something that it, it doesn't exist in anybody's space at this point. Like it's not in the rock community. It's not in the, it's not anywhere. And it would be wonderful for us to build it to the point where people you know, they look at the Scott community and they go, they, those motherfuckers will take anybody. And it is starting, I think people are starting to recognize that about Scott, like people yeah. outside of the community, which is important. Um, and they're not making fun of us for it anymore. You yeah, know, I like think it's, it's become, rejects. Yeah, I think it's <laughs> becoming less of that goofy 
because that's what a lot of people brought like were brought to ska with was like yeah. robic fish aquabats like goofy yeah. fucking music which mm-hmm. we all love like let's be real we can all like get down with the beat today but i feel like that when i tell people even like oh i'm i'm like ska they immediately think of that like joke side but i yeah. feel like ska is moving on from that joke side and i had this big conversation by big i mean it was like a few minute conversation with some guys <laughs> at the slacker concert the other day and they asked like do you think a fourth wave is coming and i was like no because we're not evolving enough yeah we're, why we're, would anybody want to like <laughs> and he he took the i think i think he thought i was surprised when i said that because he was like oh the interrupters i was like still like a third wave band <laughs> yeah well like and, still a scott punk but and and in addition to that i mean just as much as we tell everybody to be accepting of people it's you know just like we've always talked about it's important to allow people to like the music they like too if somebody exactly. only likes the silly goofy ska music and they don't really like the old stuff that's like okay it. the I'm only like thing that's not okay is to like go and start you know shitting on all the old stuff because you don't like it oh, but yeah. If you if if you just want to listen to you know aerobic fish and aquabats all day long, that's I don't care. That's that sounds fine. like a blast. That sounds like a great day. And and that's the thing. I think the internet has brought more gatekeepers than we ever thought before, and like. People yeah. are hiding behind their computers to say, fuck you, your music sucks. I don't like Streetlight, but, but <laughs> I don't give a shit. Streetlight's my favorite band. Like, get over and it. It's not just the internet. These people have always been doing it. It's just now they have a platform to out yeah. their shitty opinions. And We should have, like, to- a parlor for fucking gatekeepers and you guys can have your <laughs> well, own party. <laughs> Just you know to what, bring though? it back to the Skluts, though, is, like, the Skluts <laughs> <have> <laughs> this song... And we'll play the song for you guys. It's Scout Police. And so, like, I uh, firmly, honestly believe if you listen to this song, you will see it's more than just about internet gatekeepers. You have been to a show and have heard people saying the same exact things. It literally sounds like you guys just took a mic and walked around (laughs) a really bad mixed genre bill of a ska show. Because we've all been there. Like, there will be a show where there's a the slackers are opening and there's a ska, I mean, the slackers are headlining and Scott punk band is opening and you'll hear both sides of the coin. People yes. saying like, what is this shit? Well, and that's, Oh my gosh, it's so funny. So we wrote that song. Um, and actually that was another one that my bass player came up with the concept for. And, um, but his original version of it was much different. <laughs> so <laughs> It got a little, it got changed a bit. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it was one of those things where we'd been watching these, these ska groups and of course we'd all been to shows where, you know, people just don't show up for the openers or they come for the opener and leave and don't stay for the rest of the bands because they're only there to see, you know, and, and we've heard these things a thousand times. So it, it was really funny. And we, we wrote the lyrics out, we recorded the song. And then for those little bits that are in between the horn breaks where, you know, they're like, oh man, six people and not one Fred Perry shirt. The like chatting. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was, that was my sax player and my drummer. Um, and they just like went in at the microphones and just started talking, making fun of everybody that they've heard say these things at shows. We actually have probably, I don't know, five or six minutes of them just doing that. We picked the ones we like the best, but, 
I mean, it is, you see it and it was not hard to do because all they had to do was just pretend to be one of the douchebags that they've seen at any show. So yeah, but it came out, it came out well. (laughs) It's Scott Police is such a good song. We'll play it here now. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Add in break. (laughs) But it's, it's epic. Yeah. Thank you. And and it is definitely topical, like, and we really, um, I really wish more people would listen to the song before they open their mouth on the internet. (laughs) I I think we're going to make a video for it this summer. So I'm pretty pumped. Can I I have no idea what's going to look like? I'm going to come to Virginia and I'm going to wear a Fred Perry shirt. Okay. (laughs) Cause I was just gifted my first Fred Perry. Cause I ain't going to spend that much money on shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually writing a song right now in that band called personal problems. That's, um, that's super secret behind the scenes knowledge that song will come mm. out at some point, but it's kind of along the same vein where, you know, you've got people who complain about all these first world problems and they don't matter. Like you're just, you're mad. You can't find your, your Ubers late or you, you they didn't have your Starbucks coffee or whatever. And like, why does mm-hmm. this stuff matter when yeah. there's so many other things in the world that matter, you know? So yeah. People don't like hearing that. So, you know, people people don't like being called out for um, being divisive for no reason. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. or, or just focusing and harboring on negativity. You know, you try to divert people's attention to like all of this like infighting that they're doing and all of this like you guys aren't cool like we're cool what you're doing is lame stop trying to pretend like you're doing anything different. Um, they're tearing down people versus building up what they love and they're wasting their energy yeah like you're never going to get those people to come to your side just like you're never going to get them scott kids to stop skanking it up because you want them to like you know simmer down and listen to some scatolites and some bob marley you know how many scott song references can we make in one podcast <laughs> we have to because the people think that we're not real scott fans unless we make all these puns <laughs> yeah. uh, i love that the scots are making waves Oh, we're trying. We're definitely trying. I mean, for a new band um, who never got to play a a show after we released (laughs) our first EP, we're doing our best. Yeah. You guys put out what Confidence is Key is the album, right? So go cop that on on Bandcamp, you guys. Yeah, that was the EP. And then we did, um, we we released two singles this year already so far. We released um, Love is Love, which is our, our anthem for our LGBT friends. And um, we released On the Ledge, which just came out last month, actually. Yeah. And that one's on, like, Allegedly Records, I think? Allegedly. Uh, No, I mean, I think, so Allegedly Records took our song Superhero, I think, and put it on one of their comps. But, um, no, everything is self-release at this point, so. (laughs) So would you say this, so the band The Skluts, I know you said it's you and your bassists are, like, the... You know, the two um, crossover members. Is this like your band? Are you the band mom of the Scots? Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, yeah. So uh, the the Scots. So uh, including also my trombone player Emily. Mm-hmm. Um, the three of us actually were at Scafest when I was playing with Thirteen Towers. Actually, I was um, there too, and I saw you guys. Were you? Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I did. So, um, and we have a different lineup now, actually. So the guitar player and the singer from that time are both gone. We have a new guitar player, a new singer, and a mm-hmm. different sax player too now. 
Um, but so I was there playing with them. And then I also um, subbed in as the singer for another band called the Captivators. Um, yeah. And so I, I sang lead for them and Emily played trombone because their lead person, it's a guy named Bill Wade. He normally uh, plays trombone and sings in that band. And he couldn't be there that year. So, um, so I subbed in for them. And so I was playing with two bands that at the time were not my own because I wasn't actually in 13 Towers at that point. I was in Free Lobster mm-hmm. Buffet. And oh. um, Emily was in another band called The Upstarters, but she was playing with The Captivators. And so we were joking that like we were here at this festival playing with all these bands that weren't our own, like Scosluts. <laughs> so so um, we were talking about that with Edson and we kind of came up with, oh, we should start a band called The Scosluts. <laughs> I love that. So it's we so did. Fun. So, so yeah, fun. and and I love Thirteen Towers. Um, being in that band is is wonderful, and it's a great group to be part of. Um, but I don't take as much of a a writing stance in that one. Um, so the Scluts lyrics are where I get to kind of shine in the melodies, the vocal melodies and stuff. I do a mm-hmm. lot more over there. Um, on the Thirteen Towers side, the there's another singer. Um, his name is Dave, and he's really talented, and he you know, comes up with a lot of the melodies and I'll, you know, put harmonies on them. We work together, but, um, but it's, it's definitely different in that band than it is in the Scluts. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to, to keep the two separate and make sure, you know, part of the reason that I take sort of, or at least I try to take a little bit more of a backseat on the 13 Towers writing is because I don't want 13 Towers songs to sound like Sklut songs Mm -hmm. and Sklut songs to sound like 13 Towers songs. So I, you know, my, my, the way that I write lyrics and the way that I speak is pretty identifiable. So, you know, I try to, to make sure that my efforts are combined with somebody else on the 13 tower side so that it, it doesn't all in. But, um, but yeah, the, I'm kind of the band mom in, in both bands though. Women <laughs> <laughs> get shit done. Was like, when are we going to get this done? What needs to be done? I, you know, I do the, a lot of the, the social media. Well, I do pretty much all the social media, the merch, um, the website for the Skluts. And then I also do the merch and uh, potentially, I guess I'm going to take over the social media for 13 Towers as well. And, you know, so I do all of those things and then, you know, scheduling all the recording sessions and scheduling all the practice things and, you know, making sure that people know what dates are when and, you know. That sounds exhausting, of, by the way. The all of that sounds when- <laughs> exhausting. Are you going to bring orange slices too? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just yeah, want people a- to understand, like, the amount of labor women yeah. are expected yeah. to take on, on top yeah. of the microaggressions we experience being in this community like it's like like even with this podcast like I love it's a lot of work I love what we do and we only do it because we know it's important and then people don't recognize that or they don't want to acknowledge it and they just and it's just really frustrating on top of you know being a woman in this scene and being ignored and not believed Mm. about some of our own lived experiences it's very frustrating No. Why don't we why don't we rock our fast ten? Oh. Yeah. So Lindsay, um, I don't know if you've listened to the to the cast before. In fact. 
but we are about okay. to shoot out our fast 10 at you. Are you ready for this? <laughs> I'm ready. So the first question is ska music is blank. <laughs> Fun. Guilty pleasure band or musician. So many. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm going to go with. I like that answer. <laughs> okay. Name one person you would like to have lunch with dead or live. And Frank. Oh, nice. What's uh, a new band that you're listening to right now? Or new to you band. Okay. I was going to say we're new to me. <laughs> uh yeah, I'm going to probably go with We Are the Union because I really hadn't listened to much of their stuff and I just started. Sick. Yeah, I like me too. Everybody should get it. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> should get that new record. You're going to be the only person in Ska that hasn't got that new We Are the Union record. Go on, get it. <laughs> I, I definitely got it. <laughs> me too. <laughs> um, okay, so who would you like to collaborate with? Um. Ooh, uh, I'm already kind of doing it, but like my big one was Jenny Whiskey. So nice. <laughs> we won't have hashtag. The what would Jenny Whiskey wear? Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you could be any animal, which would you be and why? Uh, I would definitely be um, like a like a falcon. <laughs> mm, that's a good one. I, yeah, it's very I always, powerful. Yeah, I want to fly and also be able to defend myself. So no, no sky rat pigeon type of bird <laughs> i don't want to be a pigeon no <laughs> um what goal are you currently working on uh i am working on um some weight loss goals but also mm -hmm. some musical ones so some health goals let's call it that mm -hmm. self-care who do you admire most in life Lindsay? My mom. My mom is superwoman. She is the one of the strongest people I have ever known. And she constantly remains positive in the face of literally anything life has thrown at her. Um, and she always strives to keep learning. I mean, she's right now earning her PhD. Awesome. So mm -hmm. I she my mom is is the person that I look up to the most. For sure. Who run the world, girls? girls. I'm like, get it, lady. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you could be in any band, not your own band, <laughs> which one would it be? Oh, I would love to do. Okay, wait. Do I get to like replace the person in the band or just sing with them? Whatever you want. The world is your oyster. Genie I'm taking Lantern. Safe Ferris. <laughs> <laughs> Take a most spot. I'll take it. At. <laughs> I, I would love to see it. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of, I think it'd be fun. <laughs> I just love her. I love, well, the new songs I wasn't a huge fan of, but the old stuff uh, I love so much. Can you I just, just sing those can songs. you just uh, give me a few uh, bars of Come On Eileen? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no obligation, pressure. but you need to no do pressure. it. <laughs> For old Johnny Ray. Seeing sad outside the radio. Okay, whatever. Those you things. did it. It was beautiful. <laughs> Thank you, Lindsay. All right, Linz, what are you most proud of right now? Oh, um, I think I'm the most proud of um, the music that I have put out. The the mm -hmm. um, Sklutz EPs, the new singles. 
Um, the new singles that 13 Towers is getting ready to put out, um, they're, they're probably, they're a lot different than anything I ever imagined I would do with my life. And I'm really proud that a physical, tangible thing exists of the creativity that I've always wanted to put mm-hmm. in the world. Yeah, so, girl. Yeah. And they're really cool. self they're self put out. So like definitely if people um are listening and they're fans of the band or they haven't even listened to it yet, try go on Bandcamp, support the efforts here, buy the music, and encourage Lindsay to make more beautiful noises <laughs> with her face. Cause she's got some talent. Ah, you guys, you're too kind to me. I, I appreciate that I people like the things that I want to do so that I get to keep doing them. <laughs> yeah. And we're here to support you doing that. So thank you for joining us for the Checker cast. Yeah, I love that this was this was such a fun episode to make because we're all like good friends. We're all like pandemic good friends. We all <laughs> have like baked together on Zoom. And um, yeah. I feel very lucky to have added another strong, powerful woman to my Come be part of our pandemonium pals and join us uh, all on Thursdays for the Scotch Chat. You can yeah. have a live podcast episode happening in your ears if you come hang out. <laughs> Every Thursday. Lindsay and Tara and I, and we're all be there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah thank you Lindsay. you're the best from the skluts and 13 towers thank you so much oh my gosh i forgot to mention the npcs too but that's you talk to josh about that (laughs) we'll just keep adding to it all we'll just keep adding to your like resume of awesomeness and come check Lindsay out at the supernova ska festival Yep, he's so going to be on stage with uh, which band is going to be playing 13, 13 Towers. Towers. Yeah, so she'll be on stage with 13 Towers, and who knows, she might be on stage rocking it out with some other band being a little ska slut. <laughs> that is my jam. <laughs> a We're slut. Here for it. Yeah, <laughs> all right, Lindsay, thank you for fun. having me. It's very, very fun. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Checker Cast. We'll see you uh, in, in June.